This is Kyle Cord, and you're listening to Austin, Felix, and Matt on the W Debate. Welcome to the W Debate. All right, boys, are we ready to debate? Austin, you tweeted something, girl. You tweeted your running back tonight. Explain yourself. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand. <laughs> you jumped up and... That's Austin Mace. Who is going to be that guy? And for me, B. John Robinson is still going to be that guy. Back to the ground with Robinson, who spins him and tries to bounce it. A stiff arm, another one as he rides it, keeps his balance. They're going to say he stepped out, but I'm... I'm Felix Sharp. I know you didn't think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name one Zach F. Wilson. Screener draw. Oh, Wilson is going to uncork for the insult. And he drops it in beautifully. And it is his roommate, Dax Milne, on the touchdown. That's Matt Brody. G. Scott Jr. Obviously, I whacked poetic about him on the last episode, so I won't do that again here. And this time, it's Fields on the carry. Watch out! Justin Fields! Hello, Columbus! 51 yards! Vernon, are you ready to go head-to-head with me? I am. Gotta get my popcorn out here. Hold on. Gotta continue. I got it. Kyle McCord is going to end up winning the job. He's going to be rated higher. Um, well, I'm not nearly as passionate about what I'm about to talk about. Uh, our apologies to Kirk Street and Atlanta. Time will get him rescheduled soon. And for Matt Bruning and Austin Nate, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. What will our campus rankings look like at this time next year? We're going to talk about that. And then we're going to fast forward three years into the future to try to think about what our C200 rankings are going to look like. If you aren't familiar with our C200 rankings, that is our combined NCAA and NFL rankings. You can go check those out at campusdecanton.com. But before we get to that, I think we're going to have a little bit of a show meeting here tonight right off the bat. Um, This is something that I think I've been mulling over personally for like a year or more. Matthew, our colleague, Mike Valerie, has made fun of us for a very long time. Yeah, yeah. And and the question has to be put out there. Should we change the name of the show? Because this is the Debbie debate. But we cover way more than Debbie fantasy football analysis. We've touched on race on this show, culture, like economics, um, kind of anything that touches college football. So, Matthew, does does Mike have a point that this isn't the Debbie debate? This is something that kind of uses Debbie to talk about college football in a general respect. First off, I have to mention Chris Moxley with the with the hamburger meat hanging out there a little bit. Uh, I'm loving, I'm loving the shirt there. Uh, no, no, keep it on button. Do it's, I need uh, Do I need to button up or it's uh, no, no, no. It's after hours here. Um, that's no, true. I will not. 
I refuse to give in to, much like the FBI, we do not negotiate with terrorists, nor do we give in to their demands. This is by far the best Debbie show on the network. The downloads prove that. So no, it does not need to change. Alliteration matters too, right? Like Debbie debate, it just sounds good. Alliteration. It really sounds good. <laughs> Mox, I mean, we've had this, we've had this conversation privately. Yeah, yeah we've, I mean... I think one day you called me and you said, "Hey, what do you think about changing <laughs> changing the word Devi?" Uh, and I, I, I mean, I think that's true. It's in the lexicon now, though, so like so many people know what it is. That's it, there's a challenge there, but it doesn't describe. I don't think, at least accurately, what we do. Like, there's no oh, like light bulb moment. Like you have to be explained what Devi is. If you are a casual fan. And obviously, I have more here than everybody else does because I could do 10 minutes on this subject. If you are a casual college football fan and someone says the word to you, Debbie, it is not immediately recognizable what that is. And as from a business perspective, that means a great deal to me. I'll give you two examples. There's an establishment uh, right down the street from my house. It's called Latino Tax. You don't have to guess what it is that they do. There's another in Detroit. If anybody's from the Detroit area, they grew up there. Uh, two dollar soft two dollar soft cloth car wash. That was the name of the business. You have you don't have to guess what it is that that business provides. But the word Debbie, if you're in the fantasy football industry, yeah, you know what it means. But we are trying to attract both the the fantasy community on one end and on the other end, the college football community, the people who, you know, you might have a freshman or a sophomore at Georgia and they're interested in getting Dylan Royola or they're interested in Dylan Royola. Hey, I didn't know that I could play with Dylan Royola on a fantasy team. The word Debbie doesn't trigger anything for that person who may have not had a history with, with fantasy football. And even like the casual fantasy football player doesn't know what Debbie is. That is my problem with the word, with the term, is that you have to be like an insider to know what it is. And I think that that hurts growth. Matthew, you're sitting here chuckling and chuckling. Let the audience know what it is that you're laughing I, about. I mean, we got some interesting comments coming in. Uh, our text messages are blowing up a little bit. So it's uh, uh, it's a good time. I mean, so what are you going to change it to, though? We, we cover That's such a wide variety of of, of you know – topics i don't know what you can change it do you, you do we do we give in to mike and become the college football debate like that doesn't sound cool at all don't you think it's, it's accurate it's accurate though it, it is, is accurate. we, we call college football debate we are the latino tax he only says that debate. because he's jealous about how damn yes. good our show is that's the only reason he complains about it because we're not talking about Caleb Williams and Drake May and Marvin Harrison every single week. We go a little bit deeper. And I think that bothers him a little bit because he doesn't know. I mean, there is a running joke on the show that obviously you can name a player and Felix doesn't know who they are. The rest of us, the other three of us know, and Mike definitely doesn't know. So <laughs> I uh, I would just uh, drop us a comment on this video. Let us know if you think that we should change the name of the show. The problem that I have, Chris, 
And I've been thinking about this for, I think, more than a year. You've been, you've been talking I, about it for at least like 18 months. But like the first I, time that you brought it up, for sure. I can't think of another word to use. Well, that's the problem. Debbie. If there were, if there was a good alternative or solution, I think we would have come up it. with it. Shooting from deep says Todd in the chat. I do, you know, that's a, a good one, but it has to be something that has college foot. See the problem with the title. And I'm going to leave this here. The problem with if we college football is already a wordy name to include in a title. That's why you see people ab abbreviate it to CFB. But if we include it to college football debates or something, whatever, it's it's already a little too wordy. So help us out. If you're a fan of the show, if you're listening to this later, you can drop us a five-star rate and review and let us know if you, you think we should change the name of the show. If you're watching it on YouTube, let us know in the comments, what would you, do you think we should change the name of the show and what would you change it to? I mean, in fairness... For those who don't know, a fan of us actually came up with the name of the show. So it would be, well, you know, apropos. Because I was inverted. That was, that was where I was going to use Paul, Chris, Because I was, I was in, sure I was inverted right, so. came up with the name of the show. I've been in a long time league with Paul. Um, all right. On, on a related note, I, I think we're it's the off season. I'm sorry, folks. We will get into player analysis here. But, Chris, a, a question that I've wanted to ask or discuss is whether or not the campus to Canton format has a potential for broader appeal than Debbie, because in, in fantasy football, we like scoring points, scoring points, scoring points. And then in Debbie, you're like, okay, let these players wait for a little bit. Campus to Canton is the opposite. Obviously it's the potential to score points and it's more fantasy football. So I don't know. I think that there is the potential that even though it's considered a niche and Debbie's considered a niche, I think that there's the potential that the campus to Canton format has a wider appeal because some of the fundamentals of uh, more of the fundamentals of regular, normal, traditional fantasy football exist in campus to Canton formats where they don't in Debbie. So I, I tend to agree. Um, and I don't think the jump from Debbie to C2C is as massive as I think people think it is. Like, I think there's a big, um, I, I, I'm not really sure I even know the word for it, but people think that the learning curve is much greater than it is for campus scan leagues and the resources that are out there, not even including our site. There are a ton of people producing college fantasy content that can help you bridge that gap. So I think that first the jump from Debbie to C2C is smaller than it than I think people realize. But second, you're attracting a whole new audience that has limited NFL, sometimes limited NFL interest, but want to get their, um, you know, they want to pay attention on Sundays. They maybe they're not. Guy, they're guys. They like their yeah. guys. If, you, if you're an Alabama fan, you like your Bama guys. You like your Tennessee guys. You like your Michigan guys. And the, So I don't think C2C leagues appeal to diehard NFL fans. Like, I, I don't think that's an appeal, but I do think it's an appeal to people who love college football and are tangentially interested in the NFL. And I, because you get to watch these players develop, put them on the NFL roster. There is a, um, a rooting interest in seeing a player succeed long-term. So like with it, that's already baked in. I think if you get people playing, they will stick around. Like I, don't, I haven't met anyone who's like, "Hey, C2C leagues just aren't no, for me." I haven't, I haven't either. 
And it would take a year to get to like a level of comfort where you could say, okay, yeah, like I feel like I can build a team and understand enough about how it works if you're coming from an NFL only background. But it's so much more engaging than the Debbie format because those players just sit on your roster and you don't do have to do anything with them. That's what I think people enjoy. Yeah, I mean, long term, I definitely agree with you guys, but I think it's going to take some time for C2C to pass the Debbie format. Be- because of, of some of the stuff that Chris mentioned, I mean, you can be semi-plugged in to college football and succeed in a Debbie league, and you don't have to try that hard. And where I do agree with Chris, like, it's really not that big of a jump to go from Debbie to C2C. But when you look at the fact that it's 130-plus teams and people talk about rostering 45-player rosters, and sometimes that's not even enough, it's daunting when you first hear about that. I mean, Felix, we did we talked a little bit about that on Campus Life, and, and I don't know anybody else has listened to the episode, but me and Corey talked about like the first time I played in a C2C league, I was going to sites like Walter Football because I thought I was supposed to be getting guys who had a chance to be drafted in the NFL in the 40th round. Not, I didn't understand the CFF part of that, and that part's definitely grown in the space, but I still think that's an undervalued part of the C2C community, and people who are looking from the outside in don't understand that. They still think that. You're starting to get the – we have those questions in the Discord, right? Hey, which guy in 38th round has better Devi upside? This guy, this guy. You probably shouldn't be going for that at that point. But that's the, I guess, the the entryway in, and that's the way people view it. So I still think Devi is going to be the more preferred format for the short term. I do, like I said, I agree with you guys. C2C will probably take that over in the long term. But, I mean, it's it's going to be around more. People understand it more. It's becoming more and more popular. We've talked a lot about this on this show and, and off the show. The fact that sites like Fantasy Pros are putting Debbie rankings on their sites shows that it's a growing format. We haven't quite gotten there with C2C yet. So it just shows how popular Debbie's becoming. I think C2C is that next that next bridge. It's like redraft to Dynasty, right? Like, that's all it is. Yep. It's just we haven't gotten to that part yet. We're, we're working our way to that. When, when I first, first started playing the format, I thought to myself, I'll never have a mind like Kyle Francis, uh, uh, formerly of Debbie Watch, or Nate Marquez. I'm not, or, I'm not or, sure or, anyone or, will of Kyle Francis, yeah, by the way. Or even you, Mox. What I mean by that <laughs> is, like, you guys just have this innate knowledge of what what an offensive coordinator did where three years prior and what tight end scored where. But But as I continue to play, I'm like, oh, I actually do have some of that knowledge baked in. It's not – Matt, like you said, it's not the learning curve that you think of because I I kind of think of it as is who who is the next man up in a productive role? So who's the next man up in Phil Longo's slot? Who's the next running back at Fresno State? Um, who's the next running quarterback that Gus Malzahn has running for? Uh, you know, you just start to learn Josh Heupel's offense. You know, who's replacing Josh Hyatt or J- Jalen Hyatt? Excuse me, you know. You just start to learn where these um, these spots for per- productivity are, and you just kind of click in. All right, you just ask yourself who's the next person there, and you get better and better. As it, I think C two C is more like golf than anything, because you know golf, you know you can never master it. The fact that the player pool changes year over year more so than the NFL does. Is a good is like that's what makes it fun. That's what makes it fun is finding those second year, third year players, whomever that nobody else is talking about. And 
two two things off that, which I, I think are pretty interesting. I don't think we're ever going to get to the place where there is an information overload because I honestly believe it, it's impossible to yep. master for for even a group of 10, 20 people to master the 133 teams potentially expanding and all, all of that, like without consistent reporting on eligibility, injuries, transfers, et cetera, nobody will have that. So you don't have a hundred analysts giving you the same information that you do for NFL dynasty. Like that will never exist. That information just simply isn't available. You have to comb through the other day I was reading like Miami, Ohio Red Hawks message boards. Right, like that's how you have to get that information. There just isn't the accessibility aspect, and I think that's fun. You could just talk to the head coach. I mean, you could also that's true. That. Ch- friend, of the, friend of the program, Chuck Martin. Um, but but I think that's a a rewarding aspect of it. Doing your doing that level of research, I think I think people over time enjoy that. But there's, I mean, there's information available that there were, wasn't previously. Um, the second thing, and I I think what makes this format interesting is that it takes a year. Everyone I've talked to that is new is like, it took me, it took me probably a full calendar year to understand how to win in this format, what it takes, what, like what to target, et cetera, especially if you're people who are totally unfamiliar with college football. Like, so it, it takes a year. It really, it really does. Like it is not something you can pick up extremely quickly, but I think once you are in it, like it's very hard to step back and be like, I don't enjoy this format. It just takes time to know. I think that the football draft evaluation community in some respects and in some ways looks down on the fantasy community. But if you look at our format, we have a vested interest in uncovering these guys early, whether it be Jamison Williams, Anthony Richardson, uh, Michael Penix Jr. Like, we have to – we're trying to win here. And those guys are guys that whose value – I mean, Todd showed me a, a post or, – or excuse me, a screenshot from a league today where he drafted Michael Penix Jr. and Anthony Richardson in the 21st and 22nd round. Like, we have a vested – Interest. Felix, Felix's wet dream. Listen, I'm. T- <laughs> I mean, I I remember the very first campus life episode. Colin made fun of me for for liking Michael Penix Jr. and now he's one of the five best quarterbacks in the sport. But all I'm saying is is that NFL draft community. I mean, you could take pointers from from us because. The guys that we are we are talking, Matthew, you will have to share what it is that's so funny. But the guys that we end up talking about, they, they end up talking about later. Go ahead, go ahead, Matthew. I, I was laughing at Chris's face when you said Michael Penix Jr. is one of the top five quarterbacks and whatever, and and Moxley just had I, I his eyes rolled so hard I thought the glasses were going to fall off his face. I, that's what I was laughing. I didn't at. listen. I didn't. I didn't say anything. I I I have an expressive face, and when we're talking about players that I do not necessarily when you're talking. About opinions that I do not necessarily agree with, my face may react in certain ways. So Michael Penning's top five quarterback that elicits an eye roll. Penning Jr. is easily a top five quarterback in the sport of college football. If not, he's a top ten quarterback. And back in 2021, when he was playing at Indiana and didn't even finish the season before that, because he's um, had like five ACL tears. Nobody, nobody had that on their bingo card. 
That was a terrible analogy. Um, the CFF guide is out, folks. July it was out July first, but July first just happened to be the the day. Excuse me, that Twitter was acting weird. So if you want to get your hands on the CFF guide, you can get ten percent off by using the promo code Rate Limit, just like it sounds. All one word. That rate limit really screwed us because it everything went wonky on launch day. Get the CFF guide promo code rate limit. I've got a supplemental draft starting next uh, Monday. I've got like 21 picks in this draft. Actually, I think I have exactly 21 picks in the draft, including three first rounders. You can bet after like the fifth round or so, I'm going to be taking a look at that CFF guide. Home field apparel. If you if you've bought anything from Homefield using our promo code, do do me a favor, um, post a picture on Twitter with your Homefield apparel shirt and tag Campus to Canton at Campus to Canton. If you didn't know, you can use our promo code Campus to Canton for is it ten percent off or fifteen percent off from Homefield apparel? It's one of those. I forget what it is. And I think Matthews it's can, fifty. It's fifteen percent. I think for it's, it's first 15%. time first time orders, right? It's fifteen percent. I'm pretty it, sure it's. I'm pretty sure it's ten percent. But uh, it's ten percent. Uh, it's one of those. It's yeah. one of those. Um. Okay. Yeah. Those two things. Home field apparel. CFF guide. So we want. It's the off season. We will eventually get into conference previews, and we'll do it on with our own little spin. I know everyone's doing that now, but Austin's not here, so we want to wait until uh, Austin gets back to do conference previews. Today we're going to talk about two things: 2024 and our and three years 2024 for our campus rankings and our um, C200 rankings three years from now. Let's start with our campus rankings, just the top five at each position. Um, I don't know who wants to start, but just to, I guess to set the stage for this a little bit more, if there's a freshman in the 2024 class that you think deserves to be included i personally well we'll get to that you can include them you know the whole player pool is open that will be eligible in 2024 so matthew i know you were texting about this exercise and having fun with it so why don't you start off with your quarterback position well not not this part specifically more the c200 i'm very intrigued to see how how that goes uh i i Quarterback, I think, is probably fairly easy to do. I mean, obviously, Caleb, Drake, they're gone. I think Quinn's going to likely be gone. So it just bumps Drew Aller right up to number one. Like, wh- who who else is going to take that number one spot? It's got to be Drew Allar. So he's number one for me. I, I don't see who else would jump that. I want Malachi Nelson at two. I mean, he's been going toward the end of first round drafts already, mostly due to the propaganda that Chris and Austin spew all over our network. So I'm not surprised if he's going to end up being the second quarterback taken off the board. He also, he's going to be with Lincoln Riley, obviously heading over to the big 10. We'll see how that affects them. I'm curious to see how the travel affects them in UCLA and some of the big 10 schools have to do that as well. But overall quarterback with Lincoln Riley, I don't see how you bet against that. Number three, Dante Moore, because I think he's going to start this year for UCLA at some point. And in that Chip Kelly offense, I just I think he's going to be really good. I know there's been some a little bit of negative reports that he's got a little bit of a dead arm already. Eh, we'll see. 
I don't know. Everything I saw and everything I read said that he was killing it in, in the spring camp. Fall camp's right around the corner. We'll see what happens. Seemed to be between him and Ethan Garber. So I think Garber starts the season. If we see more and he plays well, like I just I don't see how you can jump anybody else over him. So those would be my top three. This is probably where I think I'm going to split from you guys. I'm very curious to see who you guys have come in at four and five. So at four, I put Connor Wigman. I, I do think that he's going to have a good year with Texas A&M this year and likely puts him up there toward probably the second quarterback behind Drew Allard. Like, I think this room is this, – this quarterback class is wide open. Both these guys, I think, could compete to be that number two quarterback. It's not – I don't think either one jumps Drew Allard. And then number five for me is Devin Brown because I expect him to take over, whether it's for – if Kyle McCord leaves after this year or he transfers out and gets a starting job somewhere, like we believed in the talent when he came in as a, as a true freshman to Ohio state, there's a lot of people who think that he's better than Kyle McCord. However, he gets on the field as a starter. I think because of the talent that he has, he's, he should be the number five, at least for me, it was between him and Cade Klubnik. And I think the tools Devin Brown has are much better than Kate, to be honest. That's the first nice thing you've said about Devin Brown. And like, I have been very yeah. complimentary of Devin Brown every time we talk about him, except for the fact that I think Kyle McCord is going to beat him out. That's it. The, Matthew is a favorite child on the in the Ohio State quarterback room. Every parent does. Yeah. Just be honest. So There you go. Um, I, I'll start here with the players that I do not have uh, in my top five. Uh, I think that's a little bit more interesting. How is it every time we set a limit, you find a way to like squeeze in 10 more players to talk because about? I I'm think going to say, wait, I, here, this is, wait, before you, before you start, let me say what you're going to say. I don't think Queen Ewers is going to the NFL this year. He has so much to work on, but even if he doesn't, I'm not putting him in my top five. I think that he is too raw. I've never <laughs> seen a throw that's impressed me on his film. Show me a throw. I, I dare you to show me a throw. Here's my number. You can text me this. Is that, is that true? That's pretty good, Chris. How, how far off? How far off am I? So number one, number one outside of my top five is Quinn Ewers. Uh, number one, number one out of my top five is Quinn Ewers, then Archman and Cade Klubnik, Carson Beck. I think he, he could come back. Uh, Nico Iamalieva and and uh, Connor Wegman. Uh, and then I'll I'll add uh, Dylan Royola too because I don't think Dylan Royola he'll be my number one quarterback, but he will. I think he'll be outside of my top ten. Um, the top. <laughs> That's pretty good, Chris. <laughs> it was accurate. I, I I saved you all that time. <laughs> it's like you did the uh it's like the it's like you did the eight mile where you cut him off at the knees with everything he was gonna Your say. real name's Clarence. <laughs> Clarence Clarence Paris got a real good marriage. Oh man. He goes to Cranbrook. That's a private school. Um uh, so uh all right, let's get this back on the train. I also have Drew Aller number one. He's my quarterback three, so that's not um, any, you know, that's not a surprise given that Caleb Williams and Drake May are going to be gone. Uh, I have Dante Moore ranked ahead of Malachi Nelson, so I have Dante Moore will be number two, Malachi Nelson three. 
Um, we, we we will not have seen Malachi Nelson play a lot uh, by the time we get to 2024. Now, maybe he gets on the on the field in some respects, but you remember, like, if we're comparing this to Spencer Rattler and Jalen Hurts, Spencer Rattler did not play a lot as a true freshman. So it could be the same thing for Malachi Nelson. And I know I'm being hypocritical here, but I have Jackson Arnold kind of jumping everyone and being uh, number four here because of the offenses that he's in, because of his skill set. I have I'm projecting uh, Jackson Arnold number four. And then uh, I don't know that Kyle McCord goes to the NFL after one year of starting. So I have a split of either Kyle McCord or Devin Brown here at number at number five, a split between those two. It I. Listen, I think I said this on the Campus Life show. There's a possibility that Devin Brown starts this year. Remember last year when everybody was drafting Jared Dagey super high because they thought he was the next quarterback at Western Kentucky, and it ended up being uh, uh, Austin Reed. Reed. Yeah, Austin Reed. It could be the same thing here where it's Devin Brown that actually takes that job. We did not see – we did not see Devin Brown in the spring game. We don't know what they're looking like in spring practice. Now, Matthew will tell you he knows. And he does have that information. But I think that there, this, this competition has not been called. Ryan Day is not named a starting quarterback. This competition is going into the fall. So it could be Devin Brown. And even if it's not to start the season, it could be going into the season that Devin Brown gets to start. So that's my top five. It's uh, Drew Aller, Dante Moore, Malachi Nelson, Jackson Arnold, and then either Kyle McCord or Devin Brown. On you, Mike. I. I have essentially the same players. Um, I have one difference, one player that y'all don't include. Drew Aller won. I, you know, I think we're all projecting him to take that step. Uh, I think Penn State's going to be really good this year, and he has some nice weapons. I have Malachi Nelson, too. Lincoln Rally quarterback. Caleb Williams is gone. Kind of easy plug-and-play. Uh, Dante Moore, three. I mean, we think he can get some reps this year. and We already liked his profile. He's one of the most... Uh, you know, ready quarterbacks in college football, like just super polished. Uh, four, I have Jackson Arnold. I, I'm also projecting him A to start and B. I, I just think he's a good player. And then I have Arch Manning five. Um, I think that Arch Manning is going to win this job. And I, I think that Malik Murphy is going to transfer somewhere else and be a very good quarterback. I, I actually really don't doubt Malik Murphy. This is more just like, hey, it's Arch Manning, the number one recruit in his class. I think he's going to take over for Queen Ewers, who I think is going to the NFL. So I have I have Arch 5. Um, and he, I, there, there were a couple other players I thought about. Like, I thought about Cade Klubnik. I thought about Connor Wegman. But I have so many questions about their respective games that I just felt better projecting a guy like Arch, who I think is already has a size already has the mobility is in a Steve Sarkeesian offense. Like I think things line up for him a little bit better than I do. than I feel about Wegman and, and Klubnik who are next on my list. I want to say this about that Texas quarterback competition next year, Mox, because you've been saying this, but I think that we are committing the same sin that we may have with Brock Vandegriff and Carson Beck. We saw the spring game. One but guy was Brock, clearly the Brock. Brock Vandegrift's name is not Brock he, Manning. He, though. What, what the fact that he's a Manning doesn't mean anything on Saturday when you have to actually win games. It might mean something to boosters, and you, maybe they're putting pressure on which, you. Which does there. matter. Like I don't. Okay, I don't. I that's like speculation that they're going to control who it is that 
he starts. But what I'm just what I'm saying is is that there's one player that is clearly the number two right now, and that's uh, Malik Murphy. He's going to go in. Oh, I agree. Year. I agree with that. If that's anything if happens Quinn, to Quinn, Quinn, Malik's coming in. I, that's yeah. Arch Manning is three on the depth chart. Like that's not that's I I don't disagree with that. I just think we're by the time we reach next offseason, July fifth, I think Arch Manning is going to be the guy who's leading for quarterback one. And whether Malik Murphy is there or not at this time, I don't think he will be. I think he will transfer to another Power Five program and find success. I just think Texas. I don't think Texas can, like, in so many different ways, move off of Arch. Just like with perception of the program, boosters, all of that. Like, I just don't. I just don't see that feasible. Arch not starting next year. And That's I think so he's I- a good player too. I think he got like unfairly dinged because people were like. He got overrated by the Manning name. He's still a really good quarterback prospect. Yeah, he played crappy competition and like struggled at times, but he's still really good. Let's say hypothetically, and the peanut gallery in the comments is going off here. I don't know why Austin can't be here, but he's sitting there being a, a back a back a backseat driver. Um, let's say hypothetically that Quint Ewers goes to the NFL after this season. Hypothetically, of course. Hypothetically. Uh, Arch Manning is the number three. He'll redshirt this year. He can sit next year behind Malik Murphy and then start in what twenty twenty five and still have three years of eligibility left. So I don't if think he, that there's if he starts in twenty twenty five, he's only playing one year of college football. Like I, I, so I think Arch Manning's really good. Like I don't think he's a bad player. Like I think he is the quarterback two or quarterback three in this class, depending on how you want to evaluate him. There's no way that he's sitting behind Malik Murphy for a year. Like I just, I just don't believe he'll will transfer to somewhere else. He'll go to like Alabama or Georgia. Like he'll transfer out. If he, if he is sitting behind Murphy, I just refuse to believe that he is not starting in 2024 for some team in the country. I mean, last summer you were talking about how the boosters were going to make sure that Quinn Ewer started over the better player in Hudson Card, according to you. But now you're going to fight and argue saying that Malik Murphy is not going to to be benched by the boosters for Arch Manning, of all players. Yes, you. When you were on your whole little, oh, they're splitting first team reps. Oh, and all oh yeah. And Hudson Card's a better quarterback. Oh, the boosters are going to be the reason that Quinn Ewer starts. I said that Hudson Card was going to start, and he did. No, he did no, not. Wait. No, well, you're no, talking about didn't. two years ago with Hudson Card versus Casey Thompson. Okay, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Hudson Card still started. Some man in the high castle shit. <laughs> Just a different uh, alternative reality where Hudson Card started, and and Quinn Ewers was the backup the whole season. Um, the comment section adds, name a better duo than Felix in overvaluing the backup in spring because they've been on campus way longer. Okay, you can throw that Hudson card example at my face, but three years ago, I said that C.J. Stroud was going to start over Kyle McCord because he had one year longer in the system. Just saying. That ended up being true. The majority of people were not projecting Kyle McCord to start. There was one person person (laughs) that said Kyle McCord was going to start. So, I mean. Yeah, I don't, I, I, yeah, this, don't you, you people this for me. It's it's one person. (laughs) 
<laughs> Matt, do you, do you want to give us your running backs? Yeah, so my top five running backs, I think, is fairly simple. Uh, Singleton just moves up to, to number one. Uh, I think that's pretty easy call. For me, uh, I have Judkins right behind him. He goes right up into number two. I think those are easily the top two running backs. Uh, three for me is, is going to be Cedric Baxter. I think he does have a real good shot to play this year. I, I know a lot of people think Jonathan Brooks is going to be the starter, and I do think he'll probably start day one. But the fact that he still hasn't been able to make it out there in summer dealing with that groin injury and the coaching staff talking up Cedric Baxter, personally, I think Baxter is by far the best running back on that roster. He's going to play some this year, and I think he's going to be so good it's going to be hard to keep him off the field. Again, Mock just mentioned the Steve Sarkeesian offense. He's always had a 1,000-yard running back. I think he's likely going to be the number three for me. For Branson Robinson, expect him to come in and take over for Georgia at that point and be the starting running back. I still think he's going to get a lot of run this year. I know Jared uh, has told us that Kendall Milton will be the guy, but I, I mean – Kendall Minton's supposed to have been three, the guy for three like, years for, running, baby. Three yeah, years running. Uh, Branson Rob is just a better player. Uh, and then five for me, Justice Haynes. I, I don't know that he gets a lot of run this year, but I would not be surprised if it's at worst a 50 50 split with Jam Miller next year in, in Alabama. And he's an extremely talented running back. Um, Alabama, who I think could have a bad year this year, might be pushing the chips all in next year because I really don't know how. I mean, Saban may coach till he croaks on the sideline, like Sonny, Sonny Weaver style here, but I, I do think that he's trying to get that national championship. Uh, I think Justice Haynes should be where he should be in the top five. For me, he just comes into five because he, he we will likely see less of him than any of the others. So we almost have the. All of the same players, except for I've got Donovan Edwards in my top five because I think that there's a chance that he has a Najee Harris-like career trajectory where he stays for his senior season. So I have him at three. Uh, Nicholas Singleton at one. Nicholas Singleton is already my number one running back. I have Justice Haynes at two. Quinchon at three. Donovan Edwards at four. Cedric Baxter, Cedric Baxter at five. And Branson Robinson, well, uh, that's five. And I have Branson Robinson actually at six. So Branson Robinson is going to be hard because um, uh, he's he shares he shares time. So you know it's going to be hard to get above these guys who might get a like a primary or majority workload in their backfield. So that's my top five. Yeah, I, I mean, I have the same same guys essentially. I have Singleton one. I actually put. Baxter above Judkins mostly because I think he is better receiving upside. And and so I, I that's more attractive to me. Uh, Judkins comes at three, obviously. Um, Justice Haynes at four. I think that he's going to, I, I McClellan's going to be gone. I think Royda Williams is probably going to be gone. I think he is entering next year as the RB one. I think he's better than player than Jam Miller is. Uh, and then five, I I really struggled with who I wanted to put here because I wanted to put a Georgia back, either Roderick Robinson or Branson Robinson. And I, I was like, well, I, I I like both. I don't know what to do. I actually went with Ruben Owens at Texas A&M. Okay. I could see him under Jimbo being a feature back the same way that we saw like I, Isaiah Spiller be. I think he's a good player. I think he kind of went underrated through the recruiting cycle on our end, even though he was fairly highly rated uh, on... Um, on most services. So I, I put Ruben Owens at five. I, th I think that he's a really interesting trajectory and someone who could see the field kind of early. If, if, you know, Jimbo actually trots out a freshman, which he did last year. And, and Jimbo, one of those coaches that kind of prefers a bell cow and will run them yeah. and give them a, a majority 
I don't, so. I, and I don't like the upperclassmen in that system. Like, I don't, I really mm. don't think any of them are super talented. Yeah. Who is it? Amari Daniels. Um, um, who's running with the ones? I can't for the life of me remember who it is. I don't even remember. I either. thought Amari Daniels was running with the ones. He might have been. They were splitting a lot during spring. Ruben Owens never really got uh, any run with the ones or the twos. He was st- strictly as like the third guy. But I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets run at some point in time in the season. I don't think any of those guys are extremely talented personally. Uh, do, yeah. do you think that Ruben Owens, well, the 2024 class doesn't have like a dude at running back that I've seen, no. but is he a guy that could get recruited over? No. Even a transfer. Even a transfer. It would depend I, on who the transfer yeah. is. I, I think he's a really good running back. I, I mean, he's still, I'm almost positive, was at like the top of our tier two. He was like our RB4. It's not like we were low on him. We just didn't think yeah. he was as good as Cedric Baxter, Baxter and Justice Haynes. Like, it's not a shot at him. It's just we didn't think he was that good. Uh, I mean, he's still a very good running back. They've got a great offensive line. My, my problem with Ruben Owens is Jimbo Fisher is the best at doing the least with the most. And like, that's what I'm worried is going to happen with Ruben Owens. He's not going to be able to do anything with the guy. And I'm the number one Jibbo apologist. So I'm usually there with you, but like, <laughs> I mean, you mentioned, you mentioned Isaiah Spiller, but Spiller never got, I believe over 200 carries. Like he, he was never given that guy. Or maybe it was not over 300. Like he, he wouldn't, no, I mean, he also was actually 200. Cause the last one to do was Dalvin cook in his offense. Like, I mean, he, he also had Devin Achain. Like to compete with though, and Devin Achain was like fair, a, but I don't think his first ex- year he had Devin Achain, did he? Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I, I think both those players. I mean, granted, Spiller his, wasn't his first year. very good as a freshman. He really kind of blew up that yeah. sophomore year, but so, I, it's so still, yeah. You're, you're basically a, a, my projection for Ruben Owens is that he jumps Amari Daniels and Le'Veon Moss on the depth chart, and I don't think that's that difficult to do. That's what I was thinking of, Le'Veon Moss. Yeah, Le'Veon Moss. So. Okay. All right, Matt, you want to give us your wide receivers? Yeah, this is where I, th- I think we're all going to differ the most. Uh, yes. I'm, I'm keeping Luther Burden at one, mostly because of the – they brought over Fresno State's offensive coordinator. We've seen what he can do with these wide receivers that can be moved all around the formation, and they brought in – and I don't remember their name, so I apologize. Go check out Nate Marquise's article on campusacant.com about the coaching changes because he dives deep into this, gives you a lot better information I'm going to give you right now. But – they also brought in Ole Miss's wide receiver coach. That was the reason that DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, Elijah Moore developed into what they were able to do. Luther Burden has all the talents in the world. I think they're going to have a better quarterback situation this year as well. Again, while he didn't have the year that Antonio Williams and Evan Stewart had, he broke literally every single one of our years, year one zero theories, every single category which from everything Chris Moxley and Austin Ace have told me is very rare for wide receivers to do. So the fact that he did that in what we consider a very bad year just shows the, how good of a wide receiver he is. So I'm not moving him. I think he's going to have a massive year this year. Two for me is then Evan Stewart. Saw what he was able to do as a, as a freshman last year. And I, I put Connor Wigman up in my top five. I think Evan Stewart's going to be a major um, winner from that as well, from how good Connor Wigman's going to be in this new offense. Three for me, Antonio Williams. While I'm not, Big on K Club Nick per se. I do think Garrett Riley is going to be an uptick for that offense. And I think Antonio Williams has already shown us last year he's the best wide receiver on in this wide receiver group. I think he's just going to do it again this year. Four for me, Jonte Cook. I, I think that he is going to get on the field some this year, whether it's 
because Isaiah Nayor isn't quite what we thought he is. Maybe they use A.D. Mitchell more as like, I don't want to say a gadget player, but like this deep shot guy, and then Jonte Cook just gets moments. I, I think he's that special of a player. And then going into next year, I think he's going to be even better. He's going to be the number one for Texas. And this is the one that I know I'm the only one who's going to have him on my list. Freshman wide receiver Micah Hudson. I think that he is going to be drafted in the first round next year because of likely how high we as a company are going to be talking about him. I know Austin and Matt, I believe, have him both ranked as their highest wide receiver grades ever since we've been doing this. He's up to the top for me as well. And there's a chance that he goes to Texas Tech where there is literally nobody standing in his way of being the target hog in the offense, which we want that wide receiver. Questions about the quarterback, obviously, but we saw how good Jared Brandley was. We were all excited about Miles Price. We're still excited about that offense. If Micah Hudson goes there with the talent that he is, I mean, I don't I'm gonna misquote Austin here, but I'm almost positive the quote was he's the smoothest wide receiver in this class. Like he is just extremely talented and polished, almost as good as that little salsa dance that Chris Moxley just did right there. He is going to be drafted in the first round next year. So I and I think he's gonna smash as a true freshman. Uh, yeah, I actually specifically limited this to top five because I thought if we included top five, it was less likely that a freshman would be included. But, I mean, hey, um, I don't have Luther Burden. Luther Burden reminds me so much of uh, LaVisca Chenault. Now, I think LaVisca Chenault is a talented player. Chris, did you know that I was going to say that? You're shaking your head. No, I, I, just, I just agree with, with that. And he – Oh, okay. He's, he's in my top five, but he's at yeah. five. I, I always thought LaVisca Chenault was a talented player who was just utilized, not like utilize, use him the way they used him at Colorado State, which is in a Rondell Moore like role. I mean, there's a reason why they got to the red zone. They put him at quarterback as, as opposed to throwing him fades uh, at Colorado. It's, it's Cordell Patterson. At all roads, all roles, ro- what is it? Roads, 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 all roads. Yeah, yeah all roads lead to Cordell Patterson. I, I forgot the expression. Um, so I don't have Luther Burden in my top five. Uh, my top five is Evan Stewart, Bram, Barry and Brown, Antonio Williams. I think Ketaroa McMillan, Ketaroa McMillan uh, makes a big jump this year because they don't have Dorian Singer there. And I think that his production is going to call. And remember, that's that Jed Fish spread offense. And you can say what you want about Jaden Delora. You know, he makes dumb decisions sometimes and he turns it over. But that dude, he's going to throw it downfield. He's going to throw it a lot. He's a gunslinger. So I think that Tedaroa McMillan takes a big leap. I mean, if he had 10 touchdowns receiving this year, would you be surprised? No, he should be the red zone weapon. And then I, I got Squirrel White at number five because, again, of what I think um, his production is going to be. So I had him kind of jump over – like he jumped over uh, all of the freshmen. So um, Zachariah Branch, who I don't know you know, what his role is going to be this year. Um Jonte Cook, again, don't know what his role is going to be this year. Like Carnell Tate, those are the top three, I guess. So I had I had uh, Squirrel White potentially. But, I mean, I can see, like, if if Zachariah Branch or Jonte Cook has seven 700 yard receiving and Squirrel White has 1,200, I can see the, their value being, you know, kind of equal. Because we're baking into Squirrel White's value, the fact that he plays in a gimmicky offense. He's a smaller player. Uh, but still, so that's my, that's my top five. Oh. Hmm. I have pretty much 
very similar to, to both y'all. Uh, I have Evan Stewart one. I think that he, there's a chance that he emerges as like the best underclassman in college football, the receiver position this year. I just was super impressed with he did last year, um, especially in his freshman season under Jimbo. Like that, that says a lot. Number two, I have Jonte Cook. Um, I think Xavier Worthy is gone. I think the other option that offense are good, but I, I think Cook is clearly the best. And so I think the wide receiver one in this offense is, is a pretty valuable place to hold. And I just think he's good in general. Uh, three, I have Antonio Williams. Um, I think that he's going to take that necessary step as well with Clemson, especially with Gareth, Gareth Riley under uh, calling plays and everything. So love him. Uh, I have Micah Hudson four actually. Um, I have watched I very little. Yeah, I, I've watched very little of him, but uh, everything that I have heard, plus he's a top 10 player in his class at wide receiver. Everything I've heard is spectacular. Um, I've watched him and he just like moves different. He's your prototypical wide receiver too. Like he's six foot 190, like that size that like the NFL is starting to really fall in love with. So I have him four, then I have Luther Burton five. Um, and the only re- reason I kept Luther Burton in the top five is because I, I like his athleticism. Like I, I, I really don't like the way that he was utilized last year. He was really, really limited. Like he's super, he's way more raw than I pe- think people realize that he is. Like I don't think that he can run routes past like 10 yards currently. And, and whether or not that was fixed in the spring is TBD, but like he operates at the line of scrimmage for a guy who's athletic as he is and his size, like it's a concern. But I'll, I'll I'll just bet on the athleticism and say, hey, he figures it out at some point. So, Matthew, would you have Micah Hudson yeah. ranked ahead of any other freshman wide receivers in, in this class in the twenty twenty three class? Yeah, he's technically graded as my. Uh, he's technically like point three points behind Zachary Branch. But in fairness to that. Uh, he hasn't technically picked a school yet, and that goes into our grade, so I don't have that in there. Once I do, he's going to jump Zachariah Brand. So he's going to be my top-graded wide receiver. To, so to I, be honest, him, Mylon Graham, or both, I have graded higher than any of the wide receivers in this class. So so did anyone have Zach, Zachariah Branch in their top five? No. no. That's pretty interesting because he's often the first wide receiver off the board, and we gave, like, a bunch of different options, which I, I think is fairly interesting because I worry about his size. Like he's a pretty small dude. Um, and I think he's athletic and like electric. And I, I think you can see the Jalen. I think you see Jalen Waddle there. If you squint, but he's small, man. Like, I I don't know. He goes as the first wide receiver. Just that, that concerns me. I, I think I'd rather bet on John Cook, who isn't like a big dude per se, but like he's yeah. bigger than Zachariah Branch. Well, is. the the in like the only slot like the pure so Zachariah Branch to me is a pure slot wide receiver. Yeah, yeah, I don't and, think he plays outside. And the only guy that I have as a pure, I mean, I think Antonio Williams probably profiles as a slot wide receiver. The rest of these guys are yeah. a little bit more versatile. So that's another reason why like he's not in my top five. I like you know, so. Ted McMillan was the guy that I was fighting with at five or Luther Burton for what's I, have, I think that's I, a good call out. I have Ted in my C200. I didn't put him in my top five because we're going three years out. You'll, I'll give yeah. my reasoning on that. Why, but I, 
the reason I didn't put Branch in my top five is I do think when we get to next year, I do think he'll do more this year as a freshman than any of the other guys they brought in. But when we get to next year, that connection Nelson has with Lemon, like I don't think we should overlook that. And Makai Lemon will be the other guy there. I don't know that we've seen when they've got two good weapons like that. I don't know that Zachary Branch is going to be like this stud CFF asset either. And I do have some questions about what the projection is to the NFL. So that was the only reason I didn't put him in my top five. Yeah, just thought that was an interesting leave out by all of us. Because I think Austin would agree too if he was here. So maybe we're lower on aggregate than on branch than maybe everybody else's. I mean, he's going to be a top 10 wide receiver. It's just that top, top five. For sure. Like, I think that all these guys are going to get production this year. So, um, and I'm, um, did, did everybody do a tight ends? I mean, I feel like sometimes we skip. I did, I did tight ends. Of course. I'm, I'm sure. I did, I did three. I did a top three. So my top five. Are oh, you want to hear my top five? Yeah. Uh, I have Deuce Robinson one. So I don't think he's that good of a baseball player for what it's worth. And if a team wants to draft him, they will have to draft and keep him interested in baseball. They will have to draft him in the second, third round. And I don't think he's second or third round quality of a, of a player. And so like that is, that is my guess that I'm taking with him. He says he wants to play both. I, I don't know. I just, he's by far the best tight end entering 2024. So I'm just going to push my chips in on him. Uh, I have Oscar Delp too. I think Delp steps into the Brock Bowers role and, and probably sees a lot of like great production <laughs> out of it. Uh, Andrew Rapplier third. Uh, I trust Penn state to really uh, develop their tight end position, especially strength conditioning wise. So I, I really, really like him. Uh, fourth and fifth are kind of like, I had trouble going between the two, but I picked Pierce Sperlin, another Georgia guy. Um, you know, him him and Lawson Lucky are, are both really good players and they run into good tight ends. So but I, I liked Sperlin more uh prior, so I, I went with him. And then five I picked Mason Taylor, who I think is getting pretty underrated uh based off of the true freshman season that he had at LSU. So I I really like him. Um so I, I put him five. But I mean there's a couple guys the guy I, I that I was going through like RJ Maryland was one where I was like, I really want to get him in there, but I, I don't know. He's a little on the smaller side, so. but yeah, I did. Of course I did top five. All, all of these tight ends are on the smaller side. As far as weight goes, some of them have the rec- requisite height, but like Oscar Delp is two two thirty. you know, he's not, he's a undersized guy too. It's funny because I think we have almost the same guy. I only did a top three. I have Deuce Robinson. Number one I actually went, and in my um, campus rankings, I moved him up a few spots. I'm like, this dude is just, he's just a pterodactyl and he's super athletic. Um, um, I have Colston Loveland, number two, another guy who can, you know, well, he was, he was a wide receiver and then converted to tight end. Uh, I think that he'll be there at number two. He, he's, I think he's my number three tight end right now. And then I have, I have Oscar Delp, number, number three. I mean, for, you know, athletic, he produced, he played, he had some stats last year for a, for a true freshman yeah. um, played well. And, and he was the number three tight end with number three, the number three tight end uh, for that team. So anytime you, you know, like you got these tight ends running these wheel routes down the field and catching touchdowns, that makes my eyes, you know, perk up a little bit. And he did a little bit of that. So that's my top 
three. I didn't do five. Oh, uh, Mox, you love Rappel yet. You yeah. love you some 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 Rappel yet. Yeah, I I I've drafted him a lot. I've taken him in a lot of drafts. I yeah, I I just I I love I think he's a really good player, first of all. And then you put this dude in the, the Penn State program and like stars align. Yeah. Um, all right, let's uh let's go here to our C two hundred. Um again. Does Matt C- Matt does not have tight end rankings? No, I didn't. Matt said he didn't. Ends. He said he didn't I have didn't. tight ends. Mm. I figured he would cover it for the rest of us, so you know. Hmm. I had Colson Loveland six, by the way. Okay, so he's close. a little—he's just a little small. I wish he would add a little more weight, but they're all small. Yeah, like they are—they are. They're all thin. Um, we don't have that two hundred and fifty-pound guy who you know can run a four-six. I, I went back and looked at Travis Kelsey's twenty-four-seven uh, like recruiting profile. He was two fifty-two like in college, like he was that big. In college, well, so it's it's, just, it's the it's the Michael Mayer experience where like Michael Mayer enters college at like two forty five and yeah. already ready. Yeah, yeah. All right. So for those who don't know, um, the C two hundred is our combined NCAA and NFL ranking. So we wanted to look again three years into the future to see where would we where we would be as far as those rankings go. Um, and so I don't know, I, Matthew. I guess we'll start with you. Okay. You can just, just give us where you're at. All right. So I chose, I, I did choose some violence here. Uh, Mahomes, number one. I mean, he's not going anywhere. It's three years. Number two. Anyone want to take a guess? If it's Anthony years, Richardson, you're, you're Anthony gonna, Richardson. It's my guy, Anthony Richardson, baby. Oh he, I mean, the rushing upside alone, he's going to be. Yeah, fantasy wise, I think he's likely going to be up there, which then brings in Josh Allen at number three. Caleb Williams at number four. I have him jumping Joe Burrow just because of the rushing, although Burrow might end up still being a better player. I think he is a better quarterback, honestly, but probably because of the rushing upside with Caleb Williams, I'm moving him over Burrow. Brings Drake May in here, and then, what is that, five, one, two, three, four, five, six, at seven. Going to continue with some violence here a little bit. Marvin Harrison Jr. over Justin Jefferson, over Jamar Chase, Prop, they're still both going to be in their primes. Don't get me wrong. We're only talking three years out. But if we're being honest, people love themselves some rookies. And if Marvin Harrison comes out and has a really good rookie season next year, going into his second season, I think he might jump some of those guys. I think he's going to be phenomenal. I've already said on some other shows, like he's going to be better than Jamar Chase, personally. Probably may not be better than Justin Jefferson. We'll see. But then that follows Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Justin Herbert. Then I have Drew Alar, who will be in his second year, I think, at that point. Or that'll be his rookie year. I'm getting my years off here. That'll be his rookie that'll season. Be his, no, the yeah. rookie season. Yeah. So going in as a rookie, I think we're going to – I think he's going to have a really good season next year and as a junior as well, or this year and as a junior. Going into a rookie, I think he's going to be easily the number one quarterback. Uh, that brings me to Bijan. Dropped him a little bit. That's going to be three years into his contract. He's only going to have two more years. We just haven't seen the NFL be willing to pay these guys. Well, I think him and Jonathan Taylor may be the exceptions to the rule. We, I, I got to see it to believe it. We won't know until next year with Jonathan Taylor. So I dropped Bijan just a little bit because of the fact that he'll be three years into the NFL already. Uh, Nicholas Singleton comes in next. He'll be a rookie. I think he has a chance to go in the first round. Five years on that contract, he's going to be deserved to be up there. Uh, Garrett Wilson then comes in for me next. 
CJ Baxter, I, I do think he's going to have two really great years. People love themselves some running backs. Justice Haynes comes in next. Then for me, Mecca Igbuka. I mean, I, I think Mecca is, is an extremely talented wide receiver. He's likely going to go in the first round. Wide receiver really starts to kind of drop off after a couple of those top guys. There's not a lot of guys in this range that I really like. I mean, you're talking about guys like, does Chris Olave take that jump? I don't like any of these freshmen. Drake London, who I liked, is honestly right now on a bad offense, and I can't project that it's going to get any better. I love Desmond Ritter, but I don't know that he's going to be the guy to, to race Kyle Pitts and Drake London's floor. So we'll see what happens with them. That's why, why Mecca came in for me here. Jameer Gibbs, again, it'll be year three of a five-year contract. I think he deserves to be in the top 20, but he's not going to be as high as some of those younger guys. Uh, then this is when Ted Aroa McMillan comes in for me because I do think he has a chance to be one of the top wide receivers in his class because of his skill set. I think there's a shot that he gets first-round draft capital, and if he goes out on a good team and has a good rookie season, I think he deserves to be up here. Go ahead. Well, he would be a rookie this that year. Yeah. No, no, no. Would no, he be a rookie his, that year? That'd be it would, be his, it would be his second year. Yeah, his Just like year. Oller. Just like yeah. Oller. It would be oh, it would be Oller. Okay, okay, yeah. So I think he's going to – but I do think he gets first-round draft capital if he has a good rookie season. I don't know. The numbers are confusing me too. I was basing this on five years and then I had to go back and like try and readjust this. Uh, and then last for me at number 20 is Quinn Ewers. Cause I do think he comes out this year. He's going to get first round draft capital. And the only reason I didn't put him higher is because he's not going to bring you the rushing floor, probably even of, of Drew Alar. So that's why Alar, I think Alar was like seven for me. Uh, but Quinn comes in here top 20. Cause I do believe the arm talents there. He's going to get first round draft capital. I mean, a lot of our C 200s, Dak Prescott was in this range. I, I I don't think it's unfair to say Quinn Ewers is better than Dak Prescott. So, I mean, Dak Prescott had a higher than sixty percent completion percentage, but and neither here nor there. Um, I, and I, I Matthew's audio sounds distorted to me. If it is, we'll get it corrected next week. I just want to point that out. Um, I, I'm going to read my my top twenty as it sits now because I don't think it's going to change a whole lot. Uh, this is how it sits top. Right now, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Dalen Hurts, Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence, Lamar Jackson, Justin Fields, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Anthony Richardson at 10, Caleb Williams, uh, uh, B. John Robinson, Bryce Young, Joe Burrow, A.J. Brown, Marvin Harrison Jr., C.D. Lamb, Jalen Waddle, Devontae Adams, Jonathan Taylor. So that is how I have it sitting right now. I don't think that it changes that much. One of my changes is I'm taking Anthony Richardson to number six. I still have him uh, um, behind Trevor Lawrence, Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, and, and Patrick Mahomes. I took Caleb Williams from number 11 to number seven. Um, Justin Fields actually went down just a, a bit. Actually, I could probably put Justin Fields ahead of Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson in three years, you know, just because of the injury he's taken, he might be done. Um, Marvin Harrison Jr., I moved him up from 16 to 12. And um, let's see, Jameer Gibbs uh, is outside of my top 20 here. He's number 19, and Nick Singleton is number 20. CeeDee Lamb moved up. Well, he stayed the same. Joe Burrow moved down from 14 to 16. Bijan Robinson moved down from 12 to 14. But uh, other than that, there's not like – I didn't see a substantial – change um i mean you might consider that substantial but i don't, I don't think Ted mcmillan gets there to the top 20 in our c200 i think that we'll still have some of these guys who have 
more established in the NFL. And it's damn sure not going to have Quinn Ewers in the top 20. I'll, I'll, I'll put a face tattoo bet on that one. Mike, Mike Tyson face tattoo bet. Yes. No, Mike no, face no. Bet. I will, um, serious bet you. You got to get Texas Longhorn somewhere on you. I don't care where, but wherever. On your face, on your forehead. On your forehead. I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that. No, I do. I do. On your poor forehead. Dude, poor dude's still single. Come on now, Chris. We're trying. We're, we're you know. Let, let, let's ah. let, let Felix. I mean, I wasn't trying to like. Felix isn't married right now, currently. You know, I don't want to ruin any future potential suitors by having a big Texas Longhorn on the middle of his, middle of his forehead. That's all. Mox. Okay. Uh Mahomes one, obviously. I don't know how you can have him one. Uh Caleb Williams two. Just think that he ascends there. Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Josh Allen. Think he starts rushing less. Is I mean he's a big dude, and I, I think that's probably gonna play into it. Uh Bijan Robinson six. I just think he's a special talent. You're already seeing how Jonathan Taylor is valued entering his year three season. Um Marvin Harrison Jr. seven. Drake May eight, Nick Singleton nine, Burrow ten, Justin Herbert eleven. Player that I don't know if either of y'all mentioned, uh, Trevor Lawrence at twelve. I think that he takes that step this year. Uh, really excited to see what he does. Uh, Garrett Wilson thirteen, special player. Anthony Richardson fourteen, Malcolm Nelson fifteen, Nick Singleton. Do I have him 30. twice? You do have Nick Singleton twice. Yes. Uh, whatever. That was probably supposed to be Quinn Ewers, but the, the chat we were having earlier messed you up. So I don't think it was. I think it's supposed <laughs> to be CD Lamb. Um, Jameer Gibbs seventeen, Drew Lar eighteen, CJ Stroud nineteen, and Jalen Hurts twenty. And that's proud of Hurts rushing less. Like same reason I don't have Lamar Jackson in my top twenty. I just like projecting a couple of years. It's hard to see these guys like continue to rush the way they are. Next week. We will have uh, Todd Foster joining us on the show. He just started a new show, the C2C Trade Portal. So he's going to join us. We'll do some trades. We'll promote his show. I think Austin will be back also. Um, And we may start conference previews. We need to hurry up and get those done because the season is like six weeks away or five weeks away. So we're gonna have to um, double double up on our previous. We are gonna have to double up. We're gonna have to do some two hour shows, and I know Matthew starts complaining uh right about this time. So um, all right. That is gonna be our show for tonight. Apologies to Kirk Curb Street. We ran out of time. We'll get him rescheduled soon for Chris Moxley and Matt Bruning. I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. Are we doing an after show? The people were I asking. don't know. We can. That's fine with me. We I, we we haven't done that. So I'm going to hit the end broadcast. So yeah, yeah you so always we, like hitting the end broadcast. But yes, I do because I like to go to bed. We need to get you a new job. Yeah, we do. So can I can yeah. I give you what my perception is? Is Matthew has no desire to change jobs. He wants it's to stay not. At this no, job. it. I do not want to stay. At my do you, job. D- does does but, Matt love saying that? Oh, I have to work and go to work early. Is that a perk of his job? No. I mean, I, I don't hate my job in the fact that I get to listen to podcasts all day long and be left alone. So it's kind of not bad on that fact, just having to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning. I still like getting three hours of sleep. That's really all it is. I mean. Yo, can can we can we talk real quick? Um, 
Do y'all think bold hot dogs are that weird? No, I don't think I it's don't. weird. It's just not the flavorful way to no, cook. I, but I mean, like, if I had a grill, like, I wouldn't, like, like a ready grill, like, obviously I'm going to grill the dogs, but, like, boil the hot dogs are not bad. No, like, there's their alternative. This is coming from a guy who has a personal chef, all right? Like, Austin. Well, Pro- no, 20, 76% of people on this Twitter poll said that they would not consume a boiled hot dog. And I was like, yes, they would. I, I was like, yes, I you you go to a stadium, you get a hot dog yeah. on the street. All of these are boiled hot dogs. Like, what do you expect? Like, who? No, nobody's grilling your dogs for you in these situations. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? What kind of snobby person do you have to be to only eat grilled hot dogs? I wouldn't say I only gr- eat grilled hot dogs, but I would definitely prefer grilled hot dogs. Yes, but everyone other- would prefer grilled hot. I prefer chili cheese, chili cheese dog made with like. Wilbur from Charlotte's Web's meat. Like I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting cheap ass pig. You know. <laughs> um. <laughs> Sorry, you, I'm just you, really passionate. You guys were in the chat though, have, with all your bad cooking takes, because somebody was in the chat talking about how um, putting a steak in the oven is the right way to cook it. I'm just well, like, you, you guys have gone too far. Listen, listen, listen. You sear both sides, and then you put it in. It's not a bad steak. If the steak is thick enough, you almost have to cook it that way, or you can do it the yeah. opposite way. You put it in the oven and then sear it on the skin. But most of the time, your steak isn't that thick where you need to put it in the oven to roast it. But, I mean, that's just a bland no, that's, way to cook it. But that's steak. not... Uh, a yeah. steak needs needs charcoal. I prefer charcoal. And if not charcoal, then my second option is a uh, a cast iron skillet. Well, I so I would sear in a skillet and then put it in the oven. Like I think that's the best way to do it, depending on the thickness and the, the cut of the meat, right? But like I'm like I'm not putting what am I not putting in the oven? I'm not putting like some sort of like hanger steak in the oven. Like that would that would literally be disgusting. And, and defeat the purpose but so austin's in the chat right now i've never eaten a street dog is that the least surprising thing you've ever seen <laughs> i've never even i've never eaten a street dog oh when i go when i go to the my, my sports games i sit in the box so it's all catered <laughs> yeah pretty, pretty much yeah like come on i just i, I just I just don't think bold. Like everyone consumes bold hot dogs, and it just sounds worse than it is. Like someone commented on my tweet, and that was perfect. I was like, "Yes, it sounds worse than it is, but everyone consumes them. That is like a normal human being." I don't know. Yeah, but you, you, I think we were refuting your position that it is the preferred way to consume them. That is what I. But that was never my position. I just said I, I, I make them because they're the easiest that way. Isn't my preferred? No, but like I. Yo, well, y'all, okay, I said this once and it got glossed over, but I, I will admit it here because this is a safe space. Um, so I have a hot dog cooker. It's a dog. It looks like a dog, like a nose, everything. Uh, it's called Hero. Hero the hot dog maker, Hero the hot dog cooker, something like that. And so you you put, I think, four ounces of water in the bottom. And it cooks the dog. So, like, essentially, they're steamed. <laughs> it's so here. But when Hero finishes, like, all the water evaporates from the, the bottom, it barks. It's like, ruff, ruff, ruff. 
And so that's usually how I make my hot dogs. And every hot dog I've had of that is good. You have a hot dog teapot, basically. It's his name is Hero, but yeah. (laughs) Oh man.